been in the game for over two decades, working with gangs, addiction, and mental health. And over the course of time, what I've learned is, sometimes you have to journey through the dark to find your way into the light. And now, we're gonna talk about it. Would you please join us for the movement of Mongo? Gather together from the four corners of the planet rock that we call Earth. You know what it is, and you know who it is. It's your man, 50 Grand, the M-O-N-G-O, a.k.a. Congo, a.k.a. Monjeezy, a.k.a. Mr. Maui, a.k.a. Hollywood, a.k.a. Woo! Can I get a Ric Flair? <laughs> right here in living color. I spared no expense today in getting you probably one of the top guests that I could have brought in from any place in the United States. I'm telling you again, any place in the United States, you will not be disappointed. Number one, before we get started with my guests, because as you can see, I get overstimulated super quick. I want to make sure that I give a shout out to all those who have been saying the positive things about the podcast. I want to give a shout out to 7725 Studio. I also want to give a shout out to those parents who are dealing with addiction right now. I know how it feels. I know what it's like to have that heaviness on you and to be hoping and wanting that your child gets past that terrible issue. But I want you to know, don't give up faith. Don't give up hope. If you're a praying person, keep praying. If you're still trying to get past that darkness, don't you dare give up believing that your family will get better. I'm telling you, that's the reason that we have the show. That's the reason we bring the guests here, so that you actually have the ability to see people who have gotten past meth addiction, to see people who've gotten past heroin addiction and alcohol. We want you to see them, because if you can see that person, then you can be that person. We want you to know that it can happen. I've also made sure that we bring in some of the people who deal clinically with this, from psychiatrists to therapists. That's what we have today. One of the top therapists in the United States of America. Pound for pound. If anybody knows that title in boxing, pound for pound, I have brought in one of the best. I spared no expense. We flew her in from the planet Neptune, especially for this podcast. Now, before I introduce her, I'm going to tell you, I've had lots of guests on the show. Outside of myself, Congo, the M-O-N-G-O. I've had some great names, but I don't think that this name can take a back seat to the M-O-N-G-O today. Her name is Sophia Samadian. I, that's right. I actually said it. Samadian. Sounds like a James Bond villain or a James Bond girl. I don't know which one, but the name means power and energy, and I brought her in for you today. She's going to answer questions on mental health court. She's going to answer questions on addiction, and she's going to answer questions on all the things that you need to know in your guide so that you can find light out of that darkness. If you would, please give it up for Sophia Samadian. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I love the name. The name in itself is a winner. And just like you, I, I've got to ask this right off the top. Sophia Samadian, <laughs> what does that name mean? 
So Samadian means powerful and courageous. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, off the top, it fits. You represent all of that. Now, I'm going to ask another. This is a stupid question because there's a million <laughs> Sophias. What does Sophia mean? It means wisdom. Are you kidding me? You're playing with me, right? I'm really not, though. I'm really not, which is so funny that my parents named me that. But yes, it means wisdom. <laughs> and then you're a therapist helping people. You're like Solomon. Right. Powerful and wise. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the know-it-all. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to move with that right there because that's a good current to ride into. The first question I have right off the top, why did you become a therapist? So when I was a junior in college, I was the typical junior that didn't know what she wanted to Mm do. I had parents that were pushing for those really big careers of go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go be something where you're going to make a lot of money and Uh the title and all that. Great. Well, For anybody that knows going to college and knows those careers, those careers are very difficult to get involved in. And it's very hard, you know, classwork and everybody wants to do that. So you're competing with all these people. Well, I knew I wanted to help people. But I feel like you could have done that easily. Maybe. And we may never know. (laughs) I feel like you could have done that easily. Potentially. So I recognized that I wanted to help people, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go down that path of, you know, doing all 15 years of school, all these different exams, all this stuff. I didn't want to do all that. So I met with an academic counselor and I pretty much told her, this is what I want to do. I want to help people, but I don't know how. And she was like, have you ever thought about being a therapist? And in my mind, I just started busting out laughing. And she probably thought I was crazy in her office. But I was like, no, I've never thought about being a therapist. Because growing up, mental health was never talked about in my family. It was, if you've got a problem, you sweep it under the rug. You don't want anybody to know about it. You need to come off as the perfect individual. You know, you you don't let anybody see your weakness because weakness is a bad thing. Wow. And so for me, I was like, no, I never thought about going into a career that for 18 years was like shunned in my family for. Like, you don't talk wow. about it. So Okay, now, just a real quick. Mm-hmm. So until that point, you had never thought about therapy even being an issue. And number two, that was something that was really not even looked upon as a as a good thing. And, and I'm not saying a bad thing, but it just wasn't right. what the dynamic was in your family. Right. Mental okay. health was never was never talked about. It was never if you were feeling sad, Sophia, there had to be a reason for it. If you were feeling anxious, really? there had to be a reason for it. It wasn't because okay. maybe you were struggling all in all. There was a specific reason and you needed to not focus on that reason. Wow. If you were nervous, it was because of this you know it wasn't because maybe you're struggling with anxiety you're struggling with depression it was no this is it and that's that's it and don't tell anybody you're having this issue wow so i thought okay well what the heck i'll just try it i'll take a couple psychology classes and see what happens so i took abnormal psychology it was my second semester of junior year Uh and i realized halfway through that class i was like oh my god i feel like i found my niche i feel like i found my career you had an eye-opening moment right why what made that eye-opening so being in that class and learning about the different diagnoses i realized that life is so much bigger than just oh i'm nervous or i'm sad there there are so many other reasons and Uh things why people feel the way they do and why people act the way they do and for me it just fascinated me i was like oh my god i have to know more about this i have to keep doing this so then i started taking more classes and more classes until I graduated with a psychology degree. And I was like, I have to do this. This, this is my place. So you, so it became so interesting. It just kind of snowballed. Right. And before you know it, I'm a psychologist. 
I'm a therapist, you know, and and I'm going into my graduate program as a 21 year old that's had no experience in mental health, has had no experience with therapy of my own. But the week before I started my graduate program, I had two friends commit suicide. And for me, like that opened up so much to me of, oh, my God, like this is even more of a reason why I need to be doing this. Because how I've got to ask. Now, that's right before graduation. Mm-hmm. That had to be devastating. Now, and these were two best friends. They were pretty close, close friends that I made in college. Yeah, uh, that would have that would have knocked the air out of me. Yeah, it uh, it's one of those things where as a therapist, you have to recognize your own flaws. And you have to recognize your own mental health. And, you know, today I can sit here and talk about it. But seven years, five years ago, I couldn't. Yeah. But for me, it was one of those where. I went down my own dark path and had my own, you know, intrusive thoughts of like, you know, I've never really worked on my issues, I've mm-hmm. never really focused on what's been going on with me and maybe bad relationships I've had or yeah. trauma I've went through and having two friends that I was close with do that, it brought up my own mental health issues and it just really prompted me even more that I need to get through this program and I need to start helping people that clearly my two friends needed. Maybe I need and maybe so many other people out there need. Wow. One of the things that just stood out, if you're somebody out there who's dealing with mental health issues, if you're somebody who is out there dealing with depression, uh, it happens to everybody. Sometimes all it takes, and I'm not saying this in everyone, because we do know there's issues that you're dealing with depression for years right. uh, and maybe even your entire life. But in some cases, meeting a psychiatrist, talking to a psychiatrist and a therapist about those issues can change your life. It can be a doorway into light. So if you are going through those thoughts, thoughts of harming yourself or someone else, please get a hold of a provider who can give, get you the help that you need. Mm-hmm. Now, before I finish, that situation really changed your life in more ways than one you actually got like uh, uh, something to represent that moment in your I life have a tattoo what is it? that says just breathe so one of the craziest things that was ever said to me was just take a breath and in the moment when you're going through really dark thoughts and you're in those depressive moments you when somebody tells you just take a breath it's like okay well no crap like i know yeah. that i need to calm down i need to stop these thoughts i need to breathe but you don't realize how powerful that can be by just like being in the present, just taking a breath and just relaxing yourself. Really? And so for me, like it was crazy, but I got it tattooed on me that said, just breathe. And every single time I'm struggling in a session with a client or every time I get done with a really hard session that maybe, you know, triggered me or brought up past events that I've also gone through the same thing as that client. I look down at that tattoo and it reminds me every day of why I'm doing what I'm doing of, I want to help other people that I have also gone through myself help them with the same issues they've been struggling with, whether that's addiction, whether that's mental health trauma, whatever the case may be. I want to be that person that can at least impact them in some way. So that issue, as you speak, I, uh, I've been called empathic. I sense your power. Mm -hmm. That issue has made you powerful Mm -hmm. and it has led into you becoming somebody who can give that power to other people. Right. I think that situation also humbled me in knowing that it's, it's one of those things that I don't think people just wake up one day and decide I don't want to be here anymore. Absolutely. And for those that think that's the case, take it from a therapist and somebody that's also been there. That's not the case. You don't just wake up one day and decide I don't want to be here anymore. It's built up to that. It it's is. a process. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things that I've learned in my career of it's so important to talk about. Because when you stop talking about it, that means you start thinking about it. And if you start thinking about it, you're going to start acting on it. 
and it's scary. And it's a scary place for people to be in when they feel alone. Incredible. You're, uh, so all of this came from an unexpected meeting with basically somebody at your school that said, have you tried, have you thought about being a therapist? Pretty much, yeah. Literally. Yeah. And before that, you hadn't thought about it at all. Absolutely not. I've never been to my own therapy. Crazy thing. Never been yeah. to my own therapy until I became a therapist. Are you kidding me? I've never sat in front of somebody and talked about my problems until a year and a half ago. Wow. Yeah. And which is another good point. Even the people who are helping in the healing process can be overwhelmed. And we hear that a lot in this field. Right. Burnout from dealing with seeing so much drama, trauma, mm -hmm. pain, suffering that right. other people are going through. And you're trying to help them through that. Right. This field has... I almost think it's like 50% after so many years. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I started my master's, <clears throat> I graduated my master's program in May of 2020. So mm -hmm. about three years ago was when everything happened. When I had the ruminating thoughts of ending everything, my two friends passing away, you mm -hmm. know, and I didn't get into therapy until a year and a half ago. Wow. And it's one of those things where people just don't realize how bad you need to talk to somebody until you need to talk to somebody. Absolutely. I'm going to take you on uh, in another direction mm -hmm. because now that you have gained your power and you're starting <laughs> to use that power uh, in helping other people in their lives. Right. Where did that take you to next after you actually became graduated, became a therapist? Right. So I graduated in May of 2020 and I got a job right after in community mental health. Um, I was working as the mental health court liaison, which is a part of the treatment diversion programs here in Oklahoma County. OK, pretty much what that is, is a program where it's a second chance. They, you know, they get you out of jail. They get you into these agencies to help you get on medications, get into group therapy, case management, individual therapy, rehab, whatever the case that you need in that moment, while also doing random drug tests, while also going to court. Wow. And the goal of this program, if completed correctly, is to get you a new start to life, is Amen. to get those charges dropped and to move on with your life, to go get a Amen. job, go back to school, get reunited with your children, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. It's a program that is there to help people. And I have seen so much success that has come from that program. I worked in that program for a little over a year. And it was amazing to see people that were so addicted to drugs and were homeless and lost their children and mm -hmm. just thought that life was going to always be like that, turn around and get a job and get into school and get reunited with their kids and get a, their first apartment and have their charges dropped. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Amen. And so I did that for about a year. And then I moved into working into inpatient work because I felt the need that I was working in community mental health and I was sending these people to inpatient. I was like, why not go try and work there Amen. and see what that would be like? So now I'm currently working in an inpatient hospital, helping people, whether it's struggling with, you know, suicidal ideations, uh -huh. homicidal ideations, or on the flip side, the detox and coming down from drugs. Now, so, I have a question because we're going to go into, because what you're you you focus on what your content knowledge is really centered on as addiction, even mm -hmm. though you have all this other information and power that you give out. Right. Addiction is what you actually work in. But I want to ask a question about mental health court, mm -hmm. because we see a revolving door of people who keep coming through and going out. Right. How do we fix that? Because most of most of the, what we're dealing with uh, are homeless. Mm -hmm. We have people who don't have finances. We have those who don't know whether they're going or coming or going. Right. How do we fix that? Oklahoma as a state, how do we get them the help that they need? I think for me, and I mean, I am only one individual 
my experience in working in mental health court is we've got to educate the people that are seeing these people firsthand. Who are the people that see these individuals firsthand before they go into before they go into jail? You're talking mm-hmm. about the fire department. You're talking about police department. Mm-hmm. So it's educating those policemen, those policewomen, those firefighters of what does it look like when somebody is detoxing from a drug on the street? Because yeah. there are certain drugs you detox from that cause physical violence. You Absolutely. Know? And Absolutely. so are they detoxing from drugs? Do they need to be sent to a hospital? Do they need to be sent to an inpatient facility to get the help? Are mm-hmm. they schizophrenic where they're struggling with uh, you know audiovisual hallucinations? Do they need to be taken to a long-term facility instead of jail? I think it's educating those frontline workers and saying, hey, this is what this looks like. Instead of just sending people to jail. Once again, that's power. That's absolute power. Uh, if they're educated, then a lot of these issues that we have with people getting shot uh, for no reason, mm-hmm. you see a reduction in that right. if they have the proper training that comes with it. Mm-hmm. My question is, you know as well as I do, we work in the same field, that we have people who don't want to take their medication. Mm-hmm. They don't want to uh, abide by what's been given to them by their psychiatrist to go do therapy. Mm-hmm. How do we help those that are refusing to take the help, that interfering in their own life being better? Right. So I have worked on both sides of the spectrum. I've worked with individuals that have not wanted the help. I've worked in a court program where they only did it to get out of jail. They don't want help. They That's don't right. want to get sober, you know, and those patients are just as challenging to work with as the patients that I currently work with now, which is people mm-hmm. that do want to get help, but also have a lot of resources at their hand, maybe have money at their hands, maybe have other support systems at their hand that aren't the greatest, you know? Amen. And so I've seen both sides and it's the same question you have to ask either side you're working with is why do you want to get help? Why do you want to get sober? Because if you don't know why you want to get sober, if you don't know why you want to get help, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what your psychiatrist says. You let me tell you, you're preaching for anybody who's out there listening right now, uh, especially parents who are dealing with kids who are dealing with addiction. If you're the person who is dealing with the addiction, one of the things I want to want you to remember, it doesn't matter how much you could get a Sophia Samadian to sit down and say, I want your life better. I want you to change until you are ready and willing to get that help it is never going to happen you have to be willing to get that power yourself until you're inspired and motivated to make that life change it will never happen and i don't care how many times we prescribe medication to you how many times we try to send you to a therapist until your mindset is i want this healing Mm -hmm. until your mindset is i'm going to fight to stay off of drugs or alcohol it won't happen. You have to have some fight in you. You have to have some want in you to make it happen. Guys, I'm telling you, this might be one of the top interviews of 2022. <laughs> now, granted, it's only the fourth week the, right. in 2022, but it might that. be one of the top interviews. I've got another question. Mm-hmm. We just talked about uh, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of issues with law enforcement, people getting injured, etc. Mm-hmm. People saying we should send in mental health professionals instead of the police mm-hmm. even in Norman they were talking about cutting the budget for police officers and mm-hmm. just having mental health um, providers go into situations that happen mm-hmm. what is your thoughts on that so my thoughts are I don't have anybody that works in law enforcement I don't I know an indiv- I know multiple individuals that work with the fire department that interact with you know 
psychiatric cases, but uh-huh. not the same that law enforcement does. Mm-hmm. And with my experience working with law enforcement, it's just as challenging, if not more challenging. Because not only if you're an empathetic person, not only mm-hmm. do you want to help that person, but you've also got the law you have to follow as well. There's also certain boundaries that you can and can't cross. And so I think for police, you know, these CIT programs they have, these peace officers that get specific mental health training to Amen. work on, you know, if somebody calls for a wellness check, if somebody calls and mm-hmm. it has, you know, tried to swallow all their medications, you know, whatever the case may be, you see these programs, especially in Oklahoma City, the CIT officers that are getting special training to go and interact to these calls because you can't just send anybody to a call that's somebody that's suicidal. You can't. You can't just send anybody to a call that is trying to overdose on drugs. You need somebody that has that specific training because that's like a therapist trying to help somebody that doesn't understand what they're going through. Now, tell me this, Samadian, why doesn't everyone in the police force have that training? Mm -hmm. I have no idea, to be honest with you. I have always imagined that mental health and substance abuse needed to be a topic talked about in the academy. Yeah. Um, I have always pushed for that. I don't know if it's ever really been listened to, but you know, I have always (laughs) pushed for to have somebody come in there and talk for an hour to these, you know, cadets in the academy or these Mm -hmm. new firefighters in the academy and just educate them. You know, I don't expect you to know all the different symptoms of bipolar one disorder by any means, but this is kind of what it would look like. This is what a manic episode Mm -hmm. looks like. This is what a depressive episode looks like versus saying, oh, they want to, you know, hurt me. I'm going to take them to jail because they're a threat. Right. That kind of thing. It's it's sad to see people automatically judge somebody without even knowing what they're going through. Absolutely. Let me tell you, I've said it before I started. First of name, the, the name is power and wisdom. We have the female version of King Solomon right here. He represented both power and wisdom. We're getting ready to take a small break on the movement with Mongo. But when we come back, we're going to ask Miss Samadian more questions about mental health court and why we really brought her here to talk about addiction. What does it take to get off of it and what the programs in Oklahoma are doing? Because right now we are in a crisis in the state of Oklahoma. For those who don't know, sometimes you have to journey through the dark to find your way into the light. We'll see you again on the Movement with Mongo.